Good afternoon to all of our fellow health enthusiasts. My name is Aubrey Mast and I am a professor of nutrition. This is a new podcast developed by my friend and colleague, Dr. Charles Benz, and we call this show Healing Trends with Dr. Benz. We search the internet every day to find the best scientific studies that can be used to improve the health of every interested person. You will not see many of these studies in the conventional media because most doctors do not have the time or the interest in finding them. And there are special interests that also are less than enthusiastic about you knowing about the studies. Every week we will explore nutritional science that has the potential to prevent and even reverse 90% of chronic illnesses. This could save many lives and help to stop the healthcare crisis that will eventually bankrupt our country. This is frequently called functional medicine and it has been adopted by thousands of doctors as well as some medical schools and hospitals, including the Cleveland Clinic. Today's program is entitled Adapting Resiliently. Yes, and I should jump in right there and say the reason that that's the title is That's a new book by Professor Aubrey Mast, Adapting Resiliently. And my role is to ask some really, really probing questions, (laughs) (laughs) but not the usual ones that I would put to the media to embarrass them and make them realize they don't know anything about the topic, but rather (laughs) to, uh, to give a really honest assessment of how much I like this book and and uh, the questions that came to my mind and you know i think any good interviewer says right off the bat why this book and it seems like it's a call for self-awareness and recovery but i'll let you tell me why yeah thank you for not being too hard on me i appreciate that (laughs) um the book to me was born out of my journey towards doing the very thing that you and I have talked about in all of our podcasts where, you know, I grew up in the Midwest, a child of the 80s and the horrible nutrition that went through in the 80s and the 90s, which is still permanent today, and developed a lot of inflammation in my body and developed health issues because of it. And my journey towards writing those health issues all of a sudden was not just fixing the physical Uh, manifestations that I was dealing with. It was looking at my emotional well-being, my mental health, my spiritual self, and my social constructs. And so the book um, is really about that journey towards reclaiming my own health through self-care and through self-awareness and recognizing that it's we're multidimensional beings and all of the dimensions of health, as we've talked about throughout our podcast together, um, are as important as one another. There's no, in my opinion, there's no one area of our health journey that's more important than another. But you know, you mentioned physical and uh, spiritual and uh, mental and emotional and social and uh, nutritional. I mean, all those elements, uh, it seemed to me, uh, what you were saying was they're all interdependent and you you need to have an, uh, an understanding of this connection between all of them. And yet it also seems like intuition plays a role. I mean, there was a lot of in things that you intuited. Now, where did that come from? Where did this intuition come from? How did you become curious and intuitive? What, where, where was the, the, the cornerstone or the, or the root of that interest that you had? Oh, that's a great question. Um, Well, when I was getting my undergraduate degree, I was in and out of hospitals for a good six months, and I saw probably 70 
70 different practitioners in the allopathic medical model. And, you know, all of them did their extensive test and said, well, we can't figure it out. We have no idea what is going on with your ovaries. Um, and so therefore it's got to be mental. And I just had this moment in that hospital bed where I was like, you can't figure it out, but I know that it's not just mental. Like I know that there's definitely something physically happening in my body and it's, it's impacting me mentally for sure. And it's impacting me emotionally. But that moment where, uh, another power and especially a power that, you know, in, in our current medical system, we tend to give a lot of, a lot of notoriety to our MDs as that they are, they are supposed to know what's going on with our bodies. And when that was really inconclusive, it really showed me that they don't know what's happening in my body. I have to sit with what is happening in my body. When is that pain arising? What are the circumstances around that pain? And that when I had that moment, it really started that curiosity within me of like, well, what is it, what is it that I'm intuitively aware of um, around my body or around the pain that I'm experiencing or around the emotions that I'm experiencing? And that has led to what has now become a lifelong journey of developing my intuition. You know, I hear this a lot, and I'm unfortunately going to say that I hear it a lot more from female patients than I do males who tend to deny that they ever feel or know anything about what's going on in their body. Uh, But I think that I hear a lot of female patients say, the doctor says I'm fine. Uh, they can't find anything that indicates there's anything wrong. I think that stark reminder that, hey, listen, I know what I feel. And this is real pain. It's not psychosomatic pain. And I think there's something going on. I mean, not accepting that was was really great. But when did you finally get to some measurement of of this stress and this inflammation? You were saying... You know, stress and inflammation is the cause of everything that that you were relating to in your experience. But you also mentioned, uh, yes, I I, I did start to search a little deeper and find some of the measures of these stressful and, and inflammation. When did that happen? When did you start to find that there were things happening in your body that you could actually find and identify and pinpoint? Oh, it was a couple of years down the the line for sure. I ended up at um, well, I ended up in Florida. It was around the time that I met you actually, and I w- ended up with an integrative uh, functional medicine doctor, and I was explaining to the provider, you know, my litany of symptomologies and experiences over the years. And the first thing out of his mouth after an hour and a half appointment was. Well, have you ever looked at your cortisol levels? Have you ever looked at how much inflammation you have, um, your C-reactive proteins, or even your white blood cell counts? Like, has anybody ever ran those panels? And I was like, well, no. Nobody's ever talked to me about inflammation before. Um, You know, and at that time, I had really been focusing and studying with a nutritionist. And so I had this understanding around nutritional inflammation you know, of eating fast foods and how all of a sudden we can have acid reflux or how we can have a lot of acne and itchy skin. And I understood that concept of nutritional inflammation, but I wasn't connecting the dots of the inflammation that's physiological 
plays a role obviously within our mental and our nutritional and our emotional well-being. And when he ran those tests and I got to see the levels of CRP, C-reactive protein and white blood cell counts in my IL-6s, my interleukin 6s, all of a sudden it was like this awareness of like, oh, I have a high level of inflammation in circulation within my body. And then having that piece of information gave me the uh, moment of going, okay, well, now what do I do about it? What can be done now that I have that piece of information that's really pertinent to all dimensions of my health and well-being? So there it was. A few minutes before you said you worked to 70 doctors. And are you saying that not one of them ever mentioned stress or inflammation or did tests that were at, would actually identify that those could be factors? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, the last doctor I went to when I was in the hospital, he said, well, it's all in your head. You're just making it all up. And that was as close to a diagnosis or, a, and I'm going to be real facetious here, a supportive statement towards mental stress um, that any doctor, any provider had ever mentioned to me throughout that six month span of seeing, you know, 60 to 70 practitioners. It was literally that one time of being with an integrated practitioner and like, hey, there's inflammation and the inflammation could be impacting all of these areas. And as soon as he mentioned that, it was like a light bulb went off in my head and was like, oh, yeah, because the inflammation is changing my physiological functioning and which is also changing my psychological functioning. And then that will influence my emotional health and my my spiritual self. You know, it was that moment where I was like, oh, it's all interconnected. But none of those other doctors ever ever mentioned those pieces. Wow, that's that's incredible. And, you know, we've been talking about that for uh, a long time. And so every show that we mentioned, we, we let's go over that and say, you know, this is a problem where they're not getting the right tests. And, and, and so there you were. Now you had this, this intuition and this knowledge. And my, my I would be interested to know at what point was that in your life? What was your age about that point? Mm, I was, oh goodness, um, like 24, 25. I was working on my master's degree at that time. So 24. Okay. Yep. So at that point, if you had to take 100 points, say 100% and say a certain percentage was intuitive and a certain percentage was knowledge-based, what was the beginning point of how much intuition you were operating from and how much knowledge you were working from? And then when you got to a point where you're ready to write this book. What percentage was intuition at that point versus what percentage was knowledge? I'm just curious to, to, to know whether that changed or not. That definitely changed. When I met with that integrative doctor, it was like I had been seen, which I think is a bigger problem within our allopathic medical model, right? Of when we're not, in, we're, when we're invalidated consistently, you start to believe that you are the problem rather than what you're experiencing. Um, is an indicator that something is out of alignment. And so when I sat with that integrative doctor, I walked out being like, I don't, I have a bare minimal knowledge. I understand, I was studying public health and focusing on nutrition. So like my background has always been around nutrition. And so I had that knowledge base around how our diet can influence inflammation in our body. But when it came to my personal body, I had already been stripping out foods, 
I was eating really a raw diet at that point in time. Um, you know, and so it was mostly intuitive leading me at that moment where I was like, okay, there's gotta be a better way and I can heal my own body. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I definitely did not have the knowledge at that point in time, but I knew intuitively it was a possibility. And then now upon writing the book, you know, it's, I've studied extensively cultures that we've talked about using food as medicine, but also these blue zones. Um, and I've studied ancestral medicine before. And, you know, that the component of Ayurveda and Chinese medicine and a lot of indigenous cultures is that there's an inherent belief that the body can heal itself, that when we come out of balance, that's where illness and disease start to fester forward. And so when I was writing the book, it's mostly knowledge based, but there's definitely the intuitive piece. You know, it's been on my to do list for the last 10 years is to write this book. You were growing at that point. In other words, in that 10 years, you were going like 20% intuitive and 80% knowledge. In that 10 years, you grew to become like 80% knowledge and 20% intuitive. Okay, so you don't want to get away. You don't want to move away from the intuitive because that's what drives your curiosity. And, you know, as long as we have questions, <laughs> then that means we're always searching for answers. So this isn't a journey. Uh, I would ask you, is this a journey you think ever ends? No, ever. I will be on this journey until the, the moment I draw my last breath. I do not. And I, yeah, I write about that in the book and I talk about that with clients every single day. That optimal vitality is not a destination that any of us ever end up at. I mean, there's I get asked this a lot of like, oh, but. You know, you move your body, you meditate, you eat a vegan diet, you're a real, you go to counseling, you take emotional caretaking, you do chiropractic. Like I do all of these things, but I'm not at the finish line for my own health and vitality. And I will never be at that finish line because there's always some additional place where I can deepen my sense of self, where I can practice greater self-care, where I can reduce, you know, stress responses, or I can check how I am internalizing information. Well, and, and, and the, the finish line, if there is one, is changing every day. And so that's why this program that we kind of work together on says that every week there's new scientific breakthroughs. And so the, the, the problem with the old medical model is they became arrogant. They became arrogant because they were treated like gods. And, you know, if you're a God, then you know all and, and you be all. And so you, you then you don't question anymore and you assume that there must be something wrong with the, with the patient if they're not, you know, being diagnosed through the system that they learned. So this is, this is what's really important to me is that you're kind of, I don't say you're attacking the God arrogant theory of medicine, but it's there and it's happening. And, you know, we have to, you have to tell the truth first before you can actually try to search out any answers for anything. So you go on to say in the book that you, you, you really got on to this thing about acidity and alkalinity. And, and so this was one of the th driving forces for you that you wanted to attain this balance. And, and yet I, I didn't see you get to the point where you were actually measuring the imbalance. And so where did that come from? I know that you got to the point where you said you needed to have at least 13 to 18 vegetables and fruits every day. But how did you get to that figure? How did you know that that was going to give you the balance? 
what were the measures like the cortisol and the C-reactive protein? I mean, sure, you could get balanced in that area. Was that enough or did you actually have to measure somehow the acidity and alkalinity in your body? Well, I started really um, playing with pH test strips because it was easy and it's accessible. And I think for my clients that work with me, that's one of the best ways. And so it's, you know, it's not a fail-proof way of understanding your acidity and your alkalinity because it's dictated by whatever you were just drinking or whatever you're just eating. So I would do salivary um, pH testing and salivary cortisol testing and then also urinalysis around my pH levels. And again, like I, I say this with, it gives you a good understanding and it's something that each and every individual can go into their health food store and buy pH test strip, but it's not completely conclusive. And so that was really helpful for me because then I had this visual element around, oh, well, yesterday I ate, you know, that pizza, that slice of pizza. And now today I'm showing more acidic this morning than I was two days ago when I was eating mostly a vegan diet and vegetarian and having higher servings. You know, and then I always go back to the research, you know, the research from most of the most progressive individuals that are associated with nutrition, but then also in disease reversal are stating again and again that we need these higher levels of fruits and vegetables, not only for their fiber, but also for their alkalinity, because they are the sources of the macronutrients and the trace minerals that really help to alkaline bring alkalinity into the body. I also did a lot of testing and work around my gut microbiome. And, you know, this is where the intuition part came in, where I would go on a probiotic protocol um, and then remove it and see how my digestion was. Or I would do a cleanse or a, um, a food, the food restriction diet. And I would cut certain foods out for six weeks and then I would slowly reintroduce them. And then I would just track, you know, mentally, how am I? Emotionally, how am I? Am I sleeping? What's happening with my skin? And that was a lot of the ways that I conducted uh, this really not pretty scientific research, but it was a way for me to reconnect with, with my own body and start to pay attention to like, oh, that's really interesting. I'm having itchy eyes after having this food. I wonder if there's a correlation there. Hmm, the next time I eat it, oh, there's a correlation there. Um, you know, and I think this piece around intuition is something that we have forgotten a lot of in our society. Of like, what is it that you're intuitively wanting? We talk about cravings a lot of times of like, you're craving the chocolate, but that's really because of the magnesium that your body is deficient in. And so your body does not know how to say, hey, please give me some spinach. <laughs> so you grab the thing that, you know, it tastes good, which is the right. chocolate. And so it's like that intuitive piece of coming back to like, oh, well, what really happens for me in all of those dimensions when I keep coming into alignment? Well, it, it, it's, it's like we're both, I, I mean, I, I would say I have the same experience where I'm experimenting with myself all the time. Mm-hmm. And so when I say to people, well, I've tried that before, well, whatever it is that I'm recommending, 90% of the time uh, it, I'd have, I have tried it because I've, I've been through these health uh, challenges longer than you have. And so I've experienced a lot more of these things. And I, I, I just, I know where the beginning point was, or at least I think I know where the beginning point was for me. When I had a health challenge in my uh, mid to late 30s, 
my biggest fear was that I wouldn't be there for my children, for my family. And because I always thought this could be life-threatening, you know, I mean, if somebody has a hypochondriac tendency, they, they think the worst. And so that's one of the things I had is I had, I was driven by fear that I wouldn't be there for my kids. And then I found out through this trial and error process that when I had a plan, it made me feel better. If I didn't have a plan, then I felt, what in the hell is going on here? I don't, I don't know what's going on and I don't know what to do next. And that made me search for more knowledge. And so that drove me to, to the knowledge that I needed. And then once I got enough knowledge, I realized that I could help others that actually have bigger problems than I do. And then that was like the, the, the third piece of the puzzle. It was like, I start to feel better because I know my situation is not as bad as most other people. And I actually am able to help those people who have worse problems than I do. Bingo. I had a, I had a plan. This was a support system for me. So I guess my question is, what was your support system? How, what did, who did you reach out to other than that health practitioner? Was there any other situation or person that kind of helped you to, to get through this journey as you were going through it? Well, I think there's been many, um, you know, because I, I do view the journey towards vitality as a grand experiment. And so, like, today I'm coming home from my chiropractor. I have I have tried, I feel like oh, I've gone to energy workers. I have gone to body workers. I've gone to mental health counselors. I mean, I, they have all played a role at the time um, that I sought them out. And so I think I'm the very, you know, I find a lot of comfort in research, <laughs> a lot of comfort in research. Yeah. And I find a lot of comfort in the plan. Yeah, and yeah. so I, for each individual that I sat with and then I shared with one, it was teaching me how to share my story. Right. Um, and also how to advocate for myself, because I think that's part of changing the medical model is recognizing that, you know, in integrative and functional medicine, it's patient centered care. And so as a patient, you are at the center of the care that you receive and the care that you should be receiving. And so taking that ownership over your health and well-being is really important. So I would go to practitioners and I'd spend one time with them or 12 times with them. And I would just be this experimentation piece of like, how does this feel with me? Does it resonate? Am I getting something out of it? Do I feel like I'm it more in alignment with my health and well my with my well-being? Am I able to connect with them? Do I feel heard? You know, and that's all part of this journey because each person that I have been with over the years, and there's been so many that I don't even know that I would where to even begin from acupuncture to cranial sacral work, you know, to spiritual consulting. It's a huge, vast array of practitioners. And each is also sort of like, if you will, a test for me of like eating different types of food. Some feel really great and then others don't. And so it's just more information that I get to add into my, my library. So it sounds like it helps you to fine tune who you are and what works for you. And that, that means you're, you're, paying, you're paying attention. And a lot of people don't pay attention. And so I remember three or four of the things that happened to me, like when my father was going through shock therapy treatment and when I was a teenager and I could see the agony that he was going through, that immediately said to me, I'm not going to go through that. That sounds like, he said that was the worst experience he'd ever had. So immediately I knew that stress was one of his things 
that he had to deal with. And I said, I'm going to go slow. I'm going to just take life at a different pace than, than most other people, just because I can see that's a problem. And then I actually had three jobs during university. I had a scholarship, but I had to work these three jobs on athletic scholarships. You have to work jobs sometimes. I never had a boss all through university that I could say, I would be willing to work for that person. And so I made a pledge when I graduated that I would never have a boss. And that was like 58 years ago, 59 years. I've never had a boss <laughs> in my whole life because I knew it was stressful. And I'd already pledged myself I wasn't going to go there. But I didn't have all the answers. I just knew there were certain things I wasn't going to do. Then later on, I experienced Bruce Lipton. And that's when I started to learn about the whole spiritual side and the connective to emotions and things like that. I mean, he was just uh, amazing in that regard. And then uh, many, many years later, I asked a question of a Buddhist monk. And I said, uh, so what's the purpose of life? I was just being a, a, a difficult student, I guess. And she said, <laughs> this, with, without any hesitancy, she said, continuous learning for the benefit of others. And that's when everything fell into place. And I went, mm -hmm. okay, that's Got what it. I've been more or less doing, but now I know that I've been on the right path and I'm just gonna stay on that path. So did you, do you have any major things other than that initial practitioner that w awoke in you? Did you have any other things like that were like prescient moments? Oh, a lot of them. Um, there's definitely been a lot of those serendipitous moments that have been like, oh, yeah, I'm where I'm supposed to be. I feel that way currently with my PhD practice. Um, you know, my dissertation's really around self-actualization and how do we bring self-awareness. Um, and the first time I was at what's called a residential conference for my PhD program, it was meeting with, I mean, a world-renowned researcher um, that was in research's dream meanings. And when I sat down with him, it was this very serendipitous moment. And when I sat down, he was like, oh, you're supposed to help people become aware of their healing journeys. And it was before, like, there was ever any, like, hi, how are you? My name is, you know, it was like just this moment, this very serendipitous moment. And so there's been lots of those moments in my life where I'm like, I got it. I'll keep on tracking, you know, like my curiosity around vitality and reducing inflammation and returning sovereignty and power back into an individual's hands to reclaim their health and their wellness is not only something that I love to teach about and talk about and support people on, but it's something that I'm practicing and researching and thinking about all the time. Well, all I know is that the thing that I use in the, in the Bruce Lipton example was, you know, he, he tested people to see what happens when you put a, a, a human cell in a petri dish and expose it to people who are uh, hollering and arguing and, it, and the cell moves away from it and then you you have some monks praying and the cell moves towards it i kind of knew at that point that i'd already been practicing that i kind of know intuitively but also cellularly if i meet someone i know whether i'm going to like them or not and i know i know whether to either pay attention to them whether it's a business or a social situation I can know within minutes that I, I don't want to really associate with that person. And my wife doesn't have that. And so 
I'll, I'll get rid of uh, somebody in, in a social relationship within weeks. And it takes her sometimes months and a few years before she'll say, you know what, you were right about that person. I, I, I don't want to be involved with them. So my, my sense of that is much more finely tuned. But some of the things that I'm curious about as we close is this self-compassion. This is something I need to know more about. I just heard it on a webinar this morning and I don't know enough about it. And so can you fill us in in 30 seconds on what the heck is self-compassion? Yeah. So the research really shows that, you know, when we can talk to ourselves the way that we would talk to a young child that has fallen down and that has gotten hurt, we would be tender. We would be supportive. We would be loving. We would be caring. When we can do that to ourselves for getting in arguments, for choosing McDonald's, for, you know, not sleeping enough, whatever you fill in the blank, the ways that we step out on our own health and well-being, that place of cultivating compassion, the research is very similar to what's coming out of research around gratitude, that it can help with rewiring the brain, which will help change the way that we view the world and view our lives. And so it can actually lead to self-efficacy and self-empowerment when we are able to say, I'm compassionate for myself and my journey for health and well-being as it changes. That actually empowers us to keep on changing. So I guess as the book goes on, it talks about love. It talks about human touch. These are all things that kind of flow out of the, the self-compassion thing. Is that the way I, I read it? Yes, correct. Okay. And so those things all play a role in, in this whole journey. Is there anything else you'd like to mention before we close on, on what your expectations are for the book or what your next book will be or uh, what your reaction has been to the book so far? Yeah, I think, you know, um, my intention was to birth it and to let it have the life that it's meant to have its own life. Right now I'm working on my dissertation and I am looking at how do we increase self actualization and self awareness through changing inflammation in the body um, and using creativity as a way of fostering actualization and inflammatory reductions. So I would assume that the next book would be accumulation of something pertaining to the dissertation. All right. That sounds like a lot of, that makes a lot of sense. And where can people buy this book, Aubrey? Um, any place where you can purchase a book, um, Barnes and Nobles, Amazon, any of your online retailers, you can get it in the ebook format, or you can also get it, um, as a hard copy, or you can get it from my website, which is adaptingresiliently.com. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. I mean, I, I hope I wasn't too hard on you. Uh, you weren't. <laughs> this, this was kind of a softball interview, but I still think it got all the salient issues covered. And I, I really congratulate you on it. And I'm really, uh, I, I learned more, I learned a lot about you. Let's just say that. And uh, I'm really glad that I, I still feel like we have this wonderful relationship and I'm, I'm glad we're working together. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank our sponsors today that helped us to bring this program. Southern Trust Financial Planning is a financial planning company that not only helps you to increase your personal wealth, it helps you to increase your health because uh, I've been working with them for 15 or 20 years now with their clients uh, with wellness programs. And I can tell you that they also then asked me to go out and help other wellness planners across their financial planners across the country. And I spoke to uh, financial planners across the country and, and they really liked the idea of bringing health into the uh, financial planning world. So Southern Trust Financial Planning, 
was the initiator in that, and I applauded them, and I, I'm glad that they're our sponsor. DHA Labs, um, that's a really great lab company that does all kinds of diagnostics uh, on wellness and immune system and the brain and cancer. I mean, you, you mentioned it, and they, they've got a test that will give you a really good understanding. And this is those tests that are better than the ones that Aubrey and I talked about earlier on the show because they have the right markers in them where you can really get a true picture of what your health is. So DHA Labs is really a great lab in that regard. Paddock Pools is the healthiest pool company that I know of because they're getting rid of toxins and they're getting rid of chlorine gas with a vacuum extractor that takes this chlorine gas off the surface of the pool, allowing people to swim in the healthiest and breathe the healthiest air as they're swimming. We don't want toxins going into the, to the lungs uh, when you're doing this great exercise. And so this is something of true value. And so if you're looking for a pool that has the healthiest uh, environment, both from the water point of view, but also from the air you're breathing, then Paddock Pools in Rock Hill, South Carolina is the company to look for. And finally, MPB Health. Uh, MPB Health is a very innovative company that's looking to do things a little bit differently than your typical health insurance company. This is not health insurance, this is medical cost sharing. And uh, they have groups of people in their uh, organization that are all dedicated to wellness. They wanna be educated, they wanna keep their healthcare costs down, and by doing that, they keep their premiums down somewhere between 30 to 50% lower than most healthcare, uh, most health insurance. So MPB Health is a good company for that. Look them up, they have videos online, and a representative will, will walk you through whether this is good for you. Usually the individual companies or individual practitioners or uh, patients and small groups are the best ones for this. The bigger groups uh, haven't gotten onto it yet, but they will eventually. So MPB Health, really, really good uh, solution to your, your medical insurance problems. So that's our show for today. I'd like to thank Aubrey again for the great book. And, uh, and, I, and I think that everybody should get out there and try to find a copy of it because it's a good read and you're going to learn a lot and it's going to inspire you to do a lot more with your health. And that's what we want books to do. So thanks again, Aubrey. Thank you very much, Charles. All right. Bye for now.